Howdy everyone, this is Vinton Lives With, a podcast about Vinton and the people that they live with. Recently, I was living with my friend Max Christensen in Minneapolis. I was staying there while I was getting ready to go up north to fight against the Line 3 pipeline and, and fight for treaty rights uh, of the Ojibwe people up at some of the treaty camps up north. So Minneapolis was my uh, landing spot and Max is so kind to host me uh, more than once. Max and I sat down and talked about urban planning. Max is a grad student at the University of Minnesota, so we chatted about public transit and designing the ideal city. And also Max's experience living through the uprisings of 2020 and their impact on Max's community, getting to know their neighbors and what Minneapolis will look like in the near future, or what Max hopes Minneapolis will look like. Max is also a music maker, so we chatted about his latest album, Plants Have Feelings Too. Broke down some of his favorite songs from that album and his previous album. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Did you start recording? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Let's ground everybody where we are uh, in Minneapolis, end of May. Max just had a birthday party, big one, big blast, which I was unfortunately sick for. But I got the pre-exposure and the post-exposure of it. So I would like, Max, for you first to just introduce yourself. Let the the world, or mostly my friends and family, know who you are. Oh, gosh, I yeah. don't even know. Well, my name is Max Christensen. There you go. That's you me. Go. That's you. It's me. Good. I am now 28 years old. <laughs> Got it right. I've just finished a year of urban planning graduate school. I have just released my second album, Plants Have Feelings Too, You Know. From the land of the lakes, learn how to shake it like a Cali earthquake. Yeah, when a boy come back this side of the states, better hope that he ain't lift weights. You know me, got a lot of shit on my plate, into things that I can't take. He goes down under just like a good mate. When I whisper in his ear, I can't wait. Let's start at the beginning. Do you remember how we met? Hmm. I must have been related to cross country. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Hmm. And it would have been, which meant it would have been during NSO. Okay. Right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the first year I was there. Mm. Grinnell College, for those who don't, are not familiar. We were just in the same space. And yeah, we yeah, got to, know each got to other merged into... I, yeah, I remember hanging out in your room. I don't know if it was that year or the following year, but um, many, yeah, good, good times. Well, cause then I had to leave too. Yes. So that's interesting. Cause we would have only known each other for within that several weeks that I was there and then I would have left. Uh, is that short? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. But then you came back mm-hmm. a year later. Mm-hmm. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We continued hanging out and that was a good time. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we graduated and then you came to Prague with me. Yeah. That was fun. I loved seeing Prague. Yeah. I really liked it. I was on my great uh, sojourn, which was also just a public transit extravaganza. Prague was really cool. I love the trams. In fact, 
my current city, Skyline City, has a tram network that is like influenced by the way that we rode the trams there. Uh, it's got some like longer distance express trams and some more local ones on the streets. And then there, for the highest capacity parts, there's subways. Um, but no one takes a subway. I'm very confused. Everyone's always on the trams. Oh, and in your they're, game. Yeah, and they're okay, like really full. Say. The trams are really full. And I'm like kind of like... A, uh, like people like the view. I don't know. Yeah, it's, oh, so I, I, I have to build more and more relief lines. It's kind of kind of insane. Shit. But yo, chill. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. People hanging out the windows. Yeah. On the roof. On mm-hmm. the tram. Uh, yeah, so you have anyway. <laughs> this, this such a fascination. I remember with like Roller Coaster Tycoon, oh, yeah. Canal, and, and now obviously you're in, well, you just finished your semester, but you were doing school, lots of school stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that. Like, why, why did you get into that, that program? Like, where do you mm-hmm. see yourself going with that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, it's interesting. I think you, maybe you meant SimCity, but it is interesting, the roller coaster part. Yeah, I'll, 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 too. Yeah. I'll say it's, you know, as long as we can go into a more longer metaphysical version of this. <laughs> like, I, when I was little, um, very early interest in trains. You know, when you're like a child and you pick a thing mm-hmm. as a train kid. Um, but that quickly evolved into roller coasters, which are just trains on, you know, fucking drugs so people someone asked me recently why i like roller coasters and i do think this continues to be true is that like they're they give you kind of like a experience in your body it's an art experience that in a, in a sense that is not often played with in that way you know like every day you can look at visual art and there can be visual art that is pretty radically different than what you see with your own eyes right and you're like wow that was really cool I like that Kutribi cartoon or that, you know, whatever. And, like, sound and all these... And taste and all these things like that. But, like, you're like, am I upside down or not? Or, like, how am I moving through space? Like, how quickly in direction changes? Like, these are senses that you get to, like, experience in a controlled way, in a way that's designed for you. It's really exciting. The reason I bring that up is that when I was in Denmark abroad, I was very aware of the way that the movement through urban space was being done by public transit. And like when you're designing something for walking and people walk, it's like you have an experience. Um, and ever, all of those experiences can be choreographed. I really started thinking about that because like what an amazing thing. And to be able to like participate in that process would be very cool. And um, I started to become really interested in that and really interested in just how... I'm the type of way I think I started thinking about how networks work. Like, how how can you craft, like, a network that allows for people to have, like, a more personal and, like, pleasant and, like, mental health-building, respectful, like, network, a way to get around that doesn't need a car or you feel connected to the people around you mm-hmm. and you can let the group mood lift you when you don't have the energy to like move mm-hmm. um so i started i knew that at some point i'd be going to grad school so that now is that time uh it's uh, i'm in a tough spot because i i now realize that i didn't really look into my 
decision of where I went to school as much as I could have. Um, I think I was just afraid to put in the work. I think maybe I didn't quite know what I wanted and was afraid to find out or something. But, you know, I went here because it was close, easy, and I figured it'd be good. And Mm -hmm. I think now I'm kind of wondering what I want out of an education in a way that as an adult I did not expect. So, because now I start to see what do I want to do and, like, how do I actually get there? Like, I would love to work on core, you know, those networks that allow people to change their relationship with the people around them and the space that they're in and how proud they feel to be alive where they are and dignified and, like, how and just have easy, pleasant experiences. I would love to be able to provide high-speed rail in, in the Midwest to give people the right to live anywhere in the Midwest without mm-hmm. fucking, like, being left behind um, or abandoned mm-hmm. or disrespected. Um, I would love to be able to provide transit in a lot of American cities that I think have the potential to be a lot chiller, more relaxing places to live mm-hmm. that aren't so stressful. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that work abroad and I would love to go abroad and learn about other places and de-Americanize my perspective. I know that that's probably quite a trope in a lot of ways, but like I would love to buy into that trope. It sounds like a good experience. So I'm kind of at a turning point in my life where now I am kind of pausing for a moment saying we've had this pandemic that has changed transportation forever in ways that we don't know yet and so my career is launching into a big question mark my schooling is launching into a big question mark but i'm now know kind of more and more like that i yeah i can actually ask for assistance and for i I can try to get to the place i want to do and say like i want to learn how to design experiences for people in the best way i deserve the right to pursue that dream and like it's time to like get going and like make it work so that's yeah. kind of where i'm at yeah that's really <laughs> great. i think a lot of people would like you know especially young people would feel similar in that you know wanting to take the train more and be in more mm-hmm. less car dependent cities i mean i didn't grow up in a car dependent city mm-hmm. rare <laughs> for the u.s but um meeting people who did I think similar sentiments are shared. So it's more just like, you know, that, that those goals are there, but like, how do you actually get it done? How do you get over all these barriers that um, incentivize or have incentivized the car and oil industries for so many years? You know, to be honest, I think there's two ways to answer that question. I think one of them is a metaphysical question and the other one is a technical question the technical question that i'll I'll answer first is i don't know because it involves like under like i have this interest and i am a type of person who learns a lot about their interests so i would like to say that i have a pretty deep knowledge about a lot of aspects of public transit um but i am not i think i'm afraid of like financing i'm afraid of policy to be honest it's and i i guess i'm not necessarily afraid but these are areas that um, I am not knowledgeable enough on, and I'm not an expert. And so it like, doesn't excite you potentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
Well, like, there's, you know, it's like, it is it is definitely interesting, mm-hmm. and I have a stake in things like how different funding programs from the federal government work, because that is what shapes and sculpts transit. I like to think about, um, just as I'm learning what my strengths are, probably finding the best ways to use those bounds in a more engineering mindset. It's like, that's the challenge I think I might be more suited for rather than um, solely advocating, focusing on advocating for improvements in the, that allow for better projects. I have a huge stake in that, and I definitely will care. But, you know, I don't think that I'm going to be as good at, at that as other people will be. For sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes but sense. The medical, the, you know, what's the, the medical physical part, though, because um, it is worth mentioning is I, I'm, I'm currently, you know, after a year of school, my thoughts, I'm glad to say my thoughts have been really shaken up um, and lots of new perspectives that I've been introduced to from fellow students especially. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I think about it, which is great. Like, there, I think there's a lot of deeper-rooted questions that um, people don't realize um, how like pretty at core these questions about like what it means to live somewhere the pandemic might have given everyone a little bit better language and or more experience to like see that blank slate because space became a very personal thing very quickly but like you know how far do you want to live your life you know do you how do you feel okay leaving your neighborhood only semi-regularly because that's kind of like the goal, right? Like making a neighborhood where you kind of feel comfortable and you kind of know everybody mm-hmm. and everything you need is right there. Mm-hmm. So you never leave. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like how, can you know, you ever, can you, yeah. I mean, like, it's a little weird paradox, huh? Yeah. I think, of, I think like day to day needs maybe, but you're, mm-hmm. I feel like with employment, like especially if people are going to, be working in person mm-hmm. again that that's like hard to keep mm-hmm. in the community and then also like concerts mm-hmm. and events and things like you're going to be traveling the reason i places. bring up this extreme very yeah. extreme example obviously yeah. is that we as we continue to there's a phenomenon going on right now where the miles vmt vehicle vehicular miles traveled in the united states is growing much faster than the length of the road network and sprawl is still going strong and probably even in increasing in a lot of metrics in a way that many people, I think, would think of a year of suburban sprawl as being over um, or, or on the decline. And what that's basically saying is that we're, like, giving up. A large part of the country, spatially, is giving up on the, like, idea of living together in a community of that small scale and that like as people are just more we're we're designing a we could say people are more and more willing or we can say people have to not sure which but uh travel farther to do all their normal person stuff and people are willing to do it they or they at least they are so Hmm. it's kind of interesting to say think that in the world that we're trying to say, like, well, you know, we should allow people some freedom of space to movement. Like, we've actually made it more and more easier and easier to travel these medium distances. And, like, it's taken a toll. It's taken a chunk. 
Mm-hmm. And basically the world that we actually are starting to think about is this unspoken goal is like to make it harder to move around in a way that hopefully makes people happier. And it's somewhat bizarre. <laughs> but that it's right. it is more and more optimal to not travel far. Yeah. Well, just like returning back to like pre when cars took over everything. Yeah. You know, that, that that's like how humans have lived throughout history, like <laughs> in much smaller communities. Yeah. And like, even, even that, yeah, like, you know, it does continue to blow my mind that even cities that reached, you know, a million people, which was the biggest chunkest, uh, you know, cities, uh, before, you know, uh, before the train was invented like look at rome like this amazing place that you could walk from one side to the other and what like i guess like an hour or two hour i think oh my god no 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 no. you're talking about back yeah ancient rome like and the the biggest city in the world yeah and you could do that because that's how transportation works it's this weird good that i'm super fascinated by and then people with wealth could live farther out because they had advanced transportation, which was they could afford horses to do all their shit. And then you have long-distance travel, the Roman road system, if you've ever um, learned about it. Road building has a lot more steps than I think is um, visually apparent. There's a reason road construction takes so long. Um, and to think about early, even early road construction techniques from the Inca and the uh, Romans are very... Um, High, they're pretty advanced, and to Rome's road network is insane. We take for granted the United States roads, um, even in other developed countries. They just don't have the same priority that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what we're talking. <laughs> I'm just that's fine. Around. Yeah. No, I I think yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit, but it's it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and talk about because I remember we were talking earlier about. Your experience living through the uprisings of last summer after George Floyd was killed by the police here in Minneapolis and just how it changed your ideas of the city or your Mm. perception and community and all that. So if you if you want to share some of those thoughts, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, and you were witness to an interaction that happened the other day that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Your neighbors. Right. (laughs) So because so right now where we are is about two miles farther than with the Rome, I guess, <laughs> or a mile and a half, maybe, <laughs> from um, George Floyd Square. And it is about a little under, or a little over a half mile from the 3rd Precinct Police Building at uh, Lake and Minnehaha. I woke up on that Monday morning, or was it the Tuesday, to the news that the night before that, uh, he had been killed, and I had been over there like two weeks prior, just at um, excuse me, um, at uh, Cup Foods. So it was like pretty close. It felt extremely personal. I didn't even realize that it was like out- happening outside of like this city for maybe for a couple days i just i was really it was really here yeah um yeah and the first day it was i felt pretty hopeful because it was a light rain and we went over there after work and marched and it was just very a hum of energy being like you know what no those are done we're done with this and it seemed and there was all these cars honking with us which was a wild experience to just have 
constant noise everywhere we went just of of support and everyone was just so like yeah fuck this and then i left the precinct building when it started to rain a little more um and they had just <laughs> broken into the lot and i was like ooh all right i'm going to maybe this might escalate i'm going to get out of here but then i found out that they had within minutes of us leaving um tear gassed the crowd and i was in shock because i was like it was a pandemic to me that seemed like an obvious line that would not be crossed yeah um you'd think <laughs> yeah and then to see like on the news like you know i marched around on days uh on news other days i saw like my old pharmacy people like a news crew get tear gassed which is you know obviously unconstitutional um and then on my last birthday, um, yeah, the night before, there had been a couple buildings set on fire. So I went over and saw just, like, the ruins. It was crazy. Every building or every window on Lake Street was smashed for a while, for maybe, like, two miles. Uh, it was pretty crazy the night after that um, the police abandoned the building so I went over there because I was like I have to experience this like I'm never gonna I'm not gonna not do this and so I went over and like people were getting food out of the cub foods to like bring to the homeless encampment the floor was flooded with like a couple inches of water everyone was just hanging out in the parking lot which was interesting because it was like this space. The place that this is happening is a, is a strip mall. And it's been noted, I'm going to mix in some urbanist stuff, but I think this is why it's important. Um, it's been noted as a very hostile pedestrian environment. That you have this community node in a place where huge people, huge percentage of people don't own cars. Like in some, neighbor, some of the census tracts around here, it's like over 50% non-car owners. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. That's a huge amount of people. Yeah. And this most central node of business is a huge parking lot between where the bus stops are and the community center in general. Sea of parking, radiating pavement heat. You're in the cities, fucking. This is America. <laughs> and like <laughs> to cross this fucking bacon ass concrete sea to get to the, you know, super target. <laughs> and the cub foods mm -hmm. and the like you know taekwondo school and all the little you know strip mall little, little businesses that's disrespectful <laughs> and it is and the that's where this anarchic space was it's like here's this totally hostile flat space and people are like let's be hostile in it like what are you gonna do there's this huge open space. People, people were social distancing. It was like little groups of like friends, maybe like, you know, three to six in size, little clusters. No one really interacted all that much with each other. People were handing out water at a stand. Um, the liquor store was burning and the Arby's was burning. People were just kind of huddled around watching it. It was pe lots of people taking pictures. I could tell there's journalists for sure. Um, I mean, it was visually striking yeah. experience. And no cops, so the atmosphere is very calm, which it was very surreal. And, you know, I've obviously am privileged to have had that experience um, that I kind of think everybody should be able to have, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can't do that every day. Things need to be built. <laughs> Things need to stay not on fire. Um, 
But it was, uh, you know, I had, like, everyone there had this moment of catharsis. That experience is obviously the more pleasant side. Obviously that got the, shut the fuck down, and that was followed by a week uh, or of intense National Guard ex- I met, everyone met our neighbors because we realized things were going to get pretty intense. And we all banded together. Um, I don't think anyone really knew what level to expect. Like, we knew that the, because the building had been set on fire and there was no guarantee that, like, the fire department could provide response if there was, like, hate crimes on homes in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were pitched the, like, outside agitators narrative, mm-hmm. which was very scary. Um, uh, and they definitely, I feel very got by that. I've always wanted to know my neighbors. And it gets it's, weird that it, it took, it, like, a trauma, a shared trauma to make it happen. But yeah. it's cool now. Um, because we all had to band together just for protection and talk about, like, what we actually wanted to do. And as everyone started rethinking, you know, how does our neighborhood interact? And, you know, now here we are. Earlier this week, I saw my neighbors and asked them about their new, you know, concrete walkway they poured. And they talked about it. We chatted. And I liked that. I yeah. liked that. It's it, it was very personal. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's been a year now since mm-hmm. that all happened. And would you say that you still have that? Um, communication in, in the neighborhood? It was very he- heavy at first, and it's tapered off, but... Okay. Got each other's back to some degree, even if you don't, like, really talk or stuff. I, I know who they are, and yeah, I think everyone... That's what community's about. Yeah. You know who's around you. You, it's, it, you know, and you feel safe because you know that they're watching, and you know that they know that you're watching. Yeah, and it's... You'll have less need to call the police ideally if you know yeah you know if you know i mean no them. need ideally hopefully no yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah is there anything else you want to share about that or your or just like um city transportation yeah. stuff because i wanted to also talk about your music as well Oh, you know what? Really quick, just as long as for posterity's sake, we do think of um, public transit as an equity issue, as I fully agree. Um, No one should have to make a down payment of several thousand dollars just to be able to move around their own home city. Uh, That's a ridiculous ask. In the current bus rapid transit project that is being built, which is called the D-Line, which is an upgrade to the busiest bus line in the Twin Cities, which has a very high percentage um, of, um, or much above average percentage of riders who are people of color and riders who are in poverty or um, working low-wage jobs, and to be able to speed up their commute in such a significant way, um, hopefully. It's like, hopefully pretty respectful, but um, one of the stops was going to be at 38th and Chicago mm-hmm. intersection where George Floyd was murdered and it is now interesting to see the clash of that type of equity planning combined with a different type of community centered planning what do we do with the old site plan for that location what do we do knowing that like there are predatory landlords in that area who will benefit from action or from inaction on the city's part or the community's part 
that's also something I'm very curious to see what happens. I hope that the square can remain um, a much more radical iteration in its current form rather than returning to... I don't know, they want to make it a roundabout. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Just keep the cars out. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> it, you know, on. let it, let it, like, let it, like, let there be a safe place to stand yeah. in the city. <laughs> that's what I'll say. That's it's, good. Yeah. I guess, like, at some point I want to do maybe, like, a song-by-song breakdown. I don't know if that this is the time, but... We can maybe focus on, like, a couple of your favorite songs. I started making music in 2000... A long time ago. I started producing in high school. Maybe my... That must have been my, like, sophomore year. So it was, like, 2009-ish. And I'd been doing sound for even before that. So... so, um, I did a lot of... uh, sound editing by now my first songs on my first album um were may written around that time um i released ended up finishing the first project in 2016 but i just recently re-released it with some new mastering skills and some old bonus tracks some fun beats from my ye childhood years <laughs> um <laughs> um they're fun yeah uh so I tossed it on and took it that re-release because I wanted it on Spotify and to sound nice. Yeah. So yeah. did that. And then I also finished another project that has songs from that old time. The, uh, that one's called Plants Have Feelings Too, You Know. The first one is a very silly, raucous album. And the second one is much more about um, making the most of being sad, but that's pretty hard. And, you know, it kind of, I think it kind of tells the story of <laughs> reckoning with an attachment issue uh if this if that's a valid way to put it you know like i guess the the thought is if you could be sad you can either be sad and party or you could be sad by yourself and like you know this is saying like i'm partying and like i'm having the best time i can but like we all really know what's going on uh and that's the vibe Mm -hmm. uh most of it so this is what's really exciting though is you know in a previous interview with you, I talked about how music ideas come to me where I feel that they just kind of, if I just chill out and enter a space, then music is just happening and you kind of like pull out the ideas that you like, the good threads. You're like, oh, I can, I can follow this vibe. Um, a lot of this album was meant to be placeholders for more permanent versions of the song. I was like, oh, I got to get this down, at least get this idea down. And then just growing attached to that really rough sketch and then saying, wow, this vocal improvisation that I did that was going to stand in for more future vocals, I've grown, like, I like this. I like how this just kind of wanders around and through this space. It kind of catches the vibe of being lost in, like, an emotion instead of controlling it, saying, like, what if I really actually just, like, let go? 
um, whether on purpose or like not on purpose. And I'm, you get swept away and saying, wow, I feel like I can capture this actually captures this vibe the way I was hoping. Like I actually mumble on some of the songs where there were going to be lyrics, but then it's like, actually it's kind of fun because I didn't know what the lyrics were going to be. Like I had a lot of candidates. I'd come up with a lot of verses in the shower and that I never wrote down or something like that. Uh, but and then it's fun to just hear the idea instead of the actual song. So that's what I like about this. I'm glad I finally put it out. It's nice to have it done so I can work, get get to work on the next stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. um, oh yeah, can't stop, won't stop. Let's do it. But oh gosh, I loved it. I loved this album. It's yeah. really fun. Uh, or, I mean, it's not fun. It hurts. It's it it hurts. I think. Um, I'm sorry if you like this album because it means that you've probably been through something. So. <laughs> I think we all have. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, true. On, That's on. true. Good, good adult That's good lesson. Time. I mean, do you want to talk about like one song off of it? Just pick a song and just, sure. just talk through it, you know? Sure. I'll talk about one, um, cause it seems to be getting attention, which I'm kind of like, um, my first, my favorite song I made in my first album is Caliber. It's very good. And the motherfuckers, he get to eat my sperm. Oh yes, I put you to the test and then I grade that curve. Propose debating back a quarter half of how absurd. But say what? How many pussy fuckers will I turn? Because yeah, yeah I, I be the fun from the 651. And you know I need a lover when the day is done. So let's experiment with all the ways of making it come. Is it the fake of the fingers or the flick of the tongue? You find me smoking on a fag of all that's soaking the sun. And then I see you on a bum, but did you catch that pun, hun? You think you cocky, can you cock that gun? No, so deep in your esophagus is where I come. And I expect you to step to my caliber. 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 Uh, let's go. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite song on the second album that I made. The song is called In the Night. And um, Caliber and In the Night both are zombie songs. They're, they're Frankensteins that were put together with the bones of several other songs that I had thought of that did not get fully made. And instead, these became meshes. Um, the big secret of Plants Have Feelings too, you know, is that almost the entire album is 100 beats per minute. It's really just kind of like one idea. Um, and this song is a mush together of some of those songs that fit together. The end is no words and is only three bass lines overlaid to have nothing but like a really almost unpleasant, like distorted, powerful, bone shaking, ideally, you know, emotional experience that's been given to you by sound, hopefully that you get kind of distracted and lost in it and you don't realize that you're lost in it. And that's kind of the, the vibe that I hope to give off with uh, the song, is just letting a heartbroken emotion just really saying, I'm gonna give in and I'm gonna let it hit me. So Audacious and Plants Have Feelings to You Know are actually a single continuous play. You can play them if you take out the bonus tracks. You can play them in order and they tell one story. Um, the last song on Audacious is called Smoke on Sunday and it's a premonition. It's obviously quite a different vibe than the rest of the album. 
kind of is a weird premonition of what would happen in my life at that time. And then Plants Have Feelings Too, You Know, also contains kind of an own message at the end, which is a brutal song called Sleeping Alone, which is not true. It's very tongue-in-cheek, and I hope it's read, because what that song is about is, obviously, everybody knows how great it is to, like, cuddle with someone and to fall asleep next to somebody securely. We're all, you know, we're all following that vibe. Let's be real. You know, maybe some people... You're like saying, no, I'm not. And that's good because... I hate cuddling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We all want to, you know, having a a secure attachment is a drive and a goal and it feels great. Um, But the thing is, is if you need to break it off with somebody or if you're heartbroken, you know, like... You... I've been there. You got a body pillow, you know, making it work, doing the best you can. came to me, I'm not going to say I wrote it, Sleeping Alone came to me when I was abroad, wandering around, and um, feeling like, you know, you didn't, I didn't feel at home at home, but I didn't know where I wanted to go, and everywhere you go, you still kind of feel yourself, but also there's that feeling, um, but it was like, but you're by yourself, and you're, and you're on your own, and like, you're in your own head a lot. Mm. There's a certain comfort in knowing that, like, the best thing that you can do right now is be like waking up by yourself. And, and it's about the feeling of like, when you are like, fuck this is way better than every time I woke up stressed out to in a partner. That was not the right person for me. (laughs) That's like, that's very real. Every time I like sleep with someone new and we cuddle and I'm in a bed that I haven't been in, I'm like, okay, when am I going to leave? Like, I cannot sleep here. It's, this is, this is bad. Like I'm, I know I'll have the most stressful night and I'll be like on edge like the whole time just my defense is up so I'm like alright gotta, gotta make that move out <laughs> back to my bed you know even I'm, I mean even before <laughs> even before that though like just the like when you wake up in your own bed and you're not with this person who's expecting who's immediately upset with you or like any of these or just like mm. not the right vibe okay <clears throat> and you're in your bed and you're like you have to convince yourself, right? That after a breakup, you have to convince yourself that they're like, yeah, there's nothing better than sleeping alone. <laughs> this is clearly the best thing. It's and it's true because it's the best thing for you then. And you just have to suspend belief and believe it's period the best thing until yeah. you're ready to start start trying to Well, some find people it. skip that phase oh, and that's... right on to the next person. Uh, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't know anything I'm about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anymore. So, so. Yeah. And I'm in my mind So far from home And I feel so tired 
does the what does the future hold for you? Your your future endeavors. Where will you be? The end of the year. At the end of this year. What would year? you like to accomplish, or or just not accomplish? I don't know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I just I think I have to um, have some experiences. I think I'm in a really. I've finished some items, and um, it's it's goal setting time. Um, I would like to have a memorable summer, which I think I need to make. I'm really scheduling in fun. I'm trying to have fun, lots of fun. I think that I'll be trying different types of work. I think that I'm um, nervous but excited to start making money at a level where I support myself financially um, be, to remind myself that I am capable of doing that. Grad school really knocks the imposter syndrome into you. Watch out. Hmm. <laughs> Watch hmm. out, y'all. Hmm. Um, damn, it's rough. Uh, that debt. <laughs> yeah, it's just right right off a cliff. Yeah. Um, really shocking. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, obviously, I. It's this is a tough thing. Um, well, something something pulled you into it. It's definitely the better of you. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> what's got to get done, and, yeah. and you know, and I, and that's true. That's a fucking. I didn't realize that I was an adult. Yeah. I I thought I I thought I was in my young adult. I thought I was in my adolescence, but that I now realize that was what young adulthood was, was thinking I was an adolescent. And now it's like, I'm a, obviously a young adult, but like, fuck, like, that is just different. It didn't feel like what I thought it was going to feel like. Um, it's clearly possible. Mm. Uh, I think I'm excited to learn about that. I would like to, I think in 10 years, you know, my urban planning career is going to be in full swing. I think in five years, hopefully I'm doing something kind of fun in urban planning. Sweet, yeah. Um, Still making music, you think? You know what? Honestly, fuck yeah. I, I had such a good time DJing last night. Nice. Uh, I've been picking up that habit a little bit for myself over quarantine when I like wouldn't want to go to bed yet, but it was like, I can't. I'm, like, clearly too tired to play video games, and I, like, shouldn't need to go to bed, but I, my brain is, like, no. So I DJ a little bit for myself in a low-pressure environment. Yeah. And last night I got to have a great time, and the audience was ready to have a... Everyone just wanted to dance. Everyone's looking for an excuse to make oh, the most yeah. of the experience. So easy crowd, fun time. Everyone had a good time. Um, and so, like, this summer I'd love to just play with that a little bit. So, I yeah, you know, I'm, I, I want to... I'm coming out of a depersonalization episode and meeting a really new me. Um, I mean, that's, I guess my goal is to really uh, meet and trust that person uh, and find out what I do next. <laughs> yeah, like last night, I, f I feel so open. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm not really putting my any pressure on myself to like find out quite yet. I don't want to. It's, I'm feeling I'm having a great time. I'm living in the moment for like oh, the first time in a while. Good. So. You can tell you're doing, your, your <laughs> head is clearer. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah. yeah. Breathing easier. <laughs> Good. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to end it, yeah. I think.
thank you for talking to me. No, thank you. I, it's yeah. great to see you every time. I'm glad I had more space to yeah. give you, even though I still even am buzzing around. Doing... <laughs> yeah, well, party, party prep, that's what it does for you. Woo! But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I love, love coming here. Love hanging with you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Fade out with one of your songs or something. There's a party in my head, baby. There's a party in my head, baby. Party in my head, baby. Party, party in my head, baby.